everybody, welcome to the Mondo Show. I am here with my special guest, pastor, author, Carl Gallops, Thank former you. police Thank officer. You. Listen, you're not watching a strange show. I, I shaved my beard, Pastor Carl. Yeah. I look yeah. like a baby. Yeah. It took, <laughs> took me 20 minutes to figure out who you were, but, <laughs> but, I, but I got uh, it. I was downstairs, you know, I shaved my own head. I cut cut my own hair and I was trimming my beard and I said you know what I'm gonna change it up and just shave it down I even tell my wife I go upstairs and my kids look at me goes uh dad you look very weird (laughs) (laughs) but But I I sit here because I wanted my wife to see my lips and my face but it's growing on your wife right uh, she likes it. She loves it. She said, okay. I can see your lips. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. I can see your lips. That's, oh, that's all that matters. That's brother. all that matters is pleasing yeah. your wife. Let me give you a little marital counseling. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the program. We're going to have a great program today. It's an, it's amazing that God can still do miracles in this hour that we're in today. And you're going to hear stories that I can tell you that for me, it still blows my mind that you got a former police officer here on the orange couch and next gang member, and we meet here talking right. about life, religion, politics, culture, but mainly the gospel. Not only that, but we've known each other for a long time, and we love each other Absolutely. in the Lord. And you and I were talking even before we went on the air about what are the chances of that relationship ever forming outside of the kingdom of Jesus Christ? You know, you're absolutely right, because we're, we're living in an hour that you call it prophetic. I oh, think you wow. said that a few times. The most prophetic times since I call the first it, coming of Jesus. I call it strange times, yeah, right? But yeah. in these times that we're in, oh, usually strange. you don't have a, a, a former cop, an ex-gang member talking <laughs> yeah. about life. Yeah. Yet this is what the gospel does. The good news Amen. allows you to agree, to disagree, but to chat and have a conversation yes. about topics that yes. are affecting everyday life. Yeah. And listen, I always told you this. If you can't have a normal conversation, meaning without arguing and saying, well, you it's my way or the highway, then that's not a conversation to be had. Right. Why? Because if you want your opinion, only your opinion to be heard, or my opinion only to be heard, then, then you don't learn. You don't yeah. learn anything. Yeah. Besides, if you say something I don't like, all I have to say is you have the right to remain silent. <laughs> Any, anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to oh, an attorney. Well, Do you? I think I've heard have you ever that heard one, that before? Yeah, maybe once or twice. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Listen, I want to thank you love for your support. Thanks I love you, brother. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, having me. I can't wait to talk to you. I got a lot of questions. You've been a pastor for over 30 years. Yeah, I'm in my 35th year. Wow, and you're yeah. only 20. Yeah, I'm only 20, so <laughs> go figure. Yeah, But listen, it's like just this hey, generation, hey, they know it all. You ain't fooling me. I looked in the bathroom mirror this morning. <laughs> First thing I said was, Dad, what are you doing in my bathroom? Dad, yeah. oh my, we start looking like, like Oh, my dad. gosh. Listen, yeah. I, I, when I, I was shaving, I was looking at myself. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm looking like my mother. Yes, you know, yeah. My mother's you right here. It. My you dad can, is right here. You can see the DNA. Oh, yeah. my Lord. Yeah. I got, listen, my beard's growing, though. Look, look yeah. at this. The older you get, it's amazing. You know, I have a son who's about your age now, I guess. Uh, and I remember as, as look, I got married when I was 18, had my son when I was about 20, 21. So my son and I grew up together. I was just a kid. <laughs> you know, I was a kid raising a kid. And, uh, but all, all the way up, everybody said, man, y'all look just alike. You and I, I couldn't see it. 
But now I saw a picture of him the other day, even when we're in, you know, in person, you know, I, 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 don't, yeah. I don't see that we look that much alike. But I saw a picture. My wife said, look at this. And she showed it to me. And I thought it was a picture of me when I was that age. Ooh. And it was just standing there. And I said, wow. I said, when, when did we take that? She said, that's your son. I said, what? So, yeah, it, it happens to you. Yeah, yeah when you get older, yeah, you begin to see the DNA start oozing yeah. out. Yeah, oh, yeah. man. Well, for, listen, for better or worse. For better or for worse. <laughs> <laughs> listen, anyway. the one thing I love about the gospel is that the Bible never calls us to love our fathers, but yeah. they it does say honor them. Yeah, it does do that. You know, yeah. so I don't know what your relationship <laughs> is with your father. Just learn one thing. If you learn to honor I know yeah. probably you might have had a, a bad relationship with your father, yet God calls us to honor them. Yeah. We came from yeah. them. Yeah, there's a there's a blessing there. I mean, it's hard, you know, some people, like you just said, may say, well, they did this and they did that, and I can't honor them. But there are still ways. Yeah. There are still ways in which you can give them whatever honors do. Absolutely. And Listen, God, God honors that. It's it's hard. I know because yeah. some situations are really bad. But I, I know for me, my father wasn't in my life yeah. until later. Yeah. And my father is, is passed. He was murdered. You know, someday I'll share that story. But uh, it, was, it, it took a long time to forgive yeah. my father, yeah. you know. But when I look back at it, I, I realize now me being a father, yeah. it is hard being a father. It is. A lot of challenges, a lot of decision-making, a lot yes. of growing up you have to do, especially yes. with what you just said. In your era, young fathers uh, was natural. Yeah. Meaning it, it, you it got was, married really. and then immediately became a father. Uh, you, you were a child raising another child. Correct. And that's not to disrespect you. It's no, just that no, the training the yeah. that you have as a father is, is very little, the experience. Right. Now I have... 12 years of experience being right. a father. Right. You know, you got longer, but I can tell you one thing that being a father or a mother uh, comes through experience. And let's talk about this. Okay. As a matter of fact, I believe that on today's program, we're going to talk about different issues, but yet they're all aligning to where we are today because the culture is rejecting fathers. Yeah. They're rejecting mothers. They're, they're rejecting everything that a father they're has to offer. rejecting womanhood, malehood. Oh, yeah, yeah. man. Homes, if I, if marriage, I could ask families. you this, let's start with this. Where are we in our culture right now? Yeah. Because if you realize our culture is made out of a society, and a society produces culture, mm -hmm. but the problem with that or the dilemma or the argument is that when a culture is created out of a society, the culture brings values, standards, morals, or religion, lack, or lack views, thereof. Right? Yeah. yeah and yeah. It today, determines those things. Yeah. And today, our culture has changed. From how you were growing up to where we are today, the values are different. The standards are different. The morals are definitely different. Yet, there's always been a struggle in every generation. But let's talk about this because I think we're hitting on something that you need to hear, and that is the role of a father in this current temperature of the culture. Why do we still need father figures in our lives? Yeah, because that's what God designed from the garden. Ooh, and, wait a minute. 
You're right. You're messing with the, the culture it's a, already. It's the first institution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that can get you canceled yeah. right away. Well, but not here. Not no, on the Mondo no, show. No, yeah, not yeah, on the yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, Let's anything see. goes on the orange couch. That's right. In Your my, opinion, in, we can talk in about anything. my pulpit and on the orange couch, I don't care about it. <laughs> I mean, we're just going to say what God leads us to say. Okay, so it started but, in the garden. Oh, it started in the garden. The first institution that God created, the first institutions were, first he made them male and female. All right, so there's genders and gender, gender identity. Then he brought the two together, and the man and the woman became one flesh. Yeah. There's marriage, okay, yeah. you see? Then he told them to be fruitful and multiply. Well, there comes children, and then there comes family. So genders, marriage, home, family, all of that was created in the garden. And watch this. All of that was infected and infested with sin ah. because of Satan's new social constructs. But we don't. We he don't wanted like to the introduce to them. We don't like the word because what do you do with with new family matters, right? What yeah. What do you do with yeah. the new family concept? Where you got dad, two dads, right? You got two moms. I mean, it, it's getting confusing now. Well, okay. When you say what do you do with it, I, that's a that's a that's a, big, that's a loaded big question. Pla- well, it's a big platform. Okay, so, <laughs> so I divide it into two things that we do with it. First of all, we, you know, and, and audience, we, we all have to decide, are we going to serve the gods our forefathers served and the yeah. gods the new age is serving, or are we going to serve the Lord? Joshua says, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. As for me and my house, as for you and your house, we have made the decision uh, that we will serve the Lord and we will stand in the contempt contextual interpretation of God's Word. Okay, mm-hmm. and I use that word, you heard me emphasize contextual. Yeah. yeah, because you can take any scripture you want, make the Bible say anything you want, but if you know the whole Word and you know it within its context, oh my gosh, it's a platform for life. That's called a biblical worldview. So I come from, from a biblical worldview. And so what I say is families, mothers, fathers, homes, those are still vitally important to our mental health, our spiritual health, our societal health, everything, and the health of the children that come and the grandchildren that come. So when you start messing with that, see what God says. Listen, Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4. He, he was asked, it, it was a trick question, and that's another topic, but, but he gave the answer. He said, have you not known, have you, do you not remember from the beginning God made them male and female gender? Therefore, for this reason, the man will leave his father and mother, cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then he said, and let not man mess with this. Ooh. All right, now watch. Well, well. <laughs> you're messing with well, the, you're, hum- well, Listen, this, what you're saying oh, can get you canceled right yeah, away. Yeah, I, but we got to speak truth because yeah. that's the only way we're, we're, we're going to help bring some healing to, to, to what's happening. So the point that I'm making is I'm standing on the Word, okay, and I see God's formula. And having now lived many decades, I also see that God's formula happens to work. Okay, now, now we're infested with sin. Satan is the prince of this world. So are there bad fathers and mothers and messed up families? Yes. Even before these last couple of decades where it really got messed up? Yes. That's not the point. The point is that a father, especially one 
who is trusting in the Lord, standing on the Word. Doesn't make him perfect. He'll struggle with life and temptation and everything else. But now he has the Holy Spirit. He has the Word of God as his foundation, not the shifting sand of society. What did Jesus say? Build your house on the rock yeah. or on the shifting let, let sand. Me, let me play devil's advocate here for a okay. moment. Again, my special guest today, I love this because he's a pastor. He's been a, a pastor, the senior pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church for over 30 years. You're a best-selling author. You, your reputation uh, in the world today really holds you to a higher standard m more than I do. You know what I mean? More than my reputation I because you're a pastor. Thank you. Uh, and pastors are being called to be accountable today. And we may get into that on this program, but stay tuned for next week because we're going to have part two of our conversation. Uh, but I got to play the devil's advocate yeah, for a moment do. because our culture is demanding a change, right? Our culture is demanding cultural change, uh, demanding uh, moral change, demanding standards to change. So when, when I hear you talk about what you just mentioned about the family unit of what God intended it to be, a male and female and whatnot. Our culture today is saying that's a way for religion to control who we are, yeah. control our culture, control our standards. You are basing this on what they call antiquated Bible scriptures, yeah. Yeah. right? So what do we do with that, Pastor? Because we have a, a group of people that are walking away from the church that feels that like church, religion, pastors are controlling the people, and we will no longer be under right. that control. Right. We want our will. Let us be. Okay. That's where I was going. Thank you for setting it up. <laughs> no, it's your no, show. I'm no, no, no. Yeah, just get, get out of here. Put the camera <laughs> yes. right on me. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, but that's where I was going because that's what you asked. You asked a mm -hmm. two-pronged question, and I was first setting it up by saying, look, we've got a choice. We either believe the serpent in the garden who said, you don't have to do it God's way. You shall not die. Well, we now know we do die. And we have, we have misery and death and pestilence and plague. And, and according to the word of God, we know how all that began with walking away from what God said, what he created. And funny as that may sound to people who don't you know, say, well, I don't want to believe all that Bible stuff. It's okay right now. Just forget that right now. But just think, you know. Look where we were, look where we're going, and look at the National Institute of Health. Just a year and a half ago, I took this document to my pulpit and read it and then worked a, the message around it to make it relevant to God's Word. But the National Institute of Health, one of the most secular and in many ways very liberal, but a global institution, uh, it started as a national institution, but now it's, it's connected to World Health Organization, etc., CDC and National Institute of Health. They said that there is a global epidemic that is relatively new that deals in depression, discouragement, suicide attempt, mental problems. That's their words. Then they said those things are now creating a global epidemic. This is their words of mental disease. Mm. And then they go on to say, we really don't know how to combat it. And we're, we're, we're looking for paradigms. We're, we're looking for ways to, to the constructs, uh, ways that we can approach this new phenomena. Has, there's always been mental disease. There's always been depression and, and suicide and all that. But, there's, but just a year and a half ago, as we're talking right now, they said it is now a global epidemic. 
no longer just an epidemic in certain areas of the world or in certain nations or very poor areas or very affluent areas where the kids are bored. No, it's global now, okay? And, and the National Institute of Health said this. So, so just forget the Word of God, and that sounds strange for a pastor to say, Ooh. but for those that are watching that <laughs> yeah. are saying, well, I don't, I, don't want, I don't care anything about that stuff, okay, just look at the world. Look at history. No point in history has everything ever been perfect. Never. Because ever since the garden and the flood, this, Jesus said, this is Satan's. You know, he's the prince of this. This is, this is a fallen world. And that's why all of these problems that we just ran through the litany of them a moment ago are here. Bad dads, bad moms, bad families, disease, pestilence, plague, famine, murder, rape, uh, incest, and all of that is a part of a fallen creation, yeah. which, which God promises He's going to make right. But, so we have to choose. This is the thing. So for somebody to say, well, I don't want that old ancient history, religious stuff, we're going to do it our way, then what you've just said is, now we are the new religion. We, we are God. Okay, which is the lie in the garden. There's nothing new about it. It goes all the way back when Satan said, if you'll eat of this fruit, what he was offering, that is rebellion against God's way, he said, you can be like a God. Mm. See? So now the people that speak this don't even realize that they, they condemn this ancient book that thousands of years ago said the words that they're now saying and said that they were going to say them if they turned from God. So it really boils down to that. You've got this worldview, a secular worldview of social constructs. Jesus called it the shifting sand because it shifts through generations. It always does. Shifting sand, or you've got the biblical worldview, which is the solid rock foundation. And whichever one you work from and whichever one you live from is going to determine where your life goes and where the culture that you're influencing. We goes. can really spend hours talking about this. And we, we have can. before we in our private time yeah. Yeah. when we have uh, lunch together, which we're going to have, by the way, later on. Good. And we're going to keep talking some more. But I've noticed a trend in Christianity the last 20 years that is leaving a big question mark. Yes, it is. Because Pastoring I've been 30 years this ago, for years. right? 30 years ago, pastoring was a lot, I don't want to say easier, but it was different. It was different. You know, you being a pastor over 30 years, you've seen a huge, not big, huge change inside of the church. I have. Because I've today, it. our generation is demanding that pastors and the church or institution of church. Be accountable. Uh, be accountable to what? Be accountable to the church abuse of children, being uh, the church abusing their pulpits, the church controlling the pulpits, controlling the people from the pulpits, from the sermons, uh, not allowing people to have their own thoughts, yet the pastor is giving his own thoughts or her thoughts from the pulpit. As a pastor, you've seen this change for over 30 I've years. Lived I've lived in it. How do you see being a pastor today and being accountable? Should pastors be accountable of some sort? Yeah. And who's a, who are they accountable to? Listen, we could do another two-hour show on this. Let me, let me try to boil it down very quickly, and, and it's going to be oversimplified. This is a very complex issue, but it goes to this. We're living in a fallen world. We also, we happen to live in the United States of America, the most 
powerful, the richest, the most affluent, the most opportunity-laden nation the planet has ever seen. Mm. In the midst of that, the church has gone from the little pioneer clapboard churches, you know, to mega, uh, nothing wrong with mega churches, but to, to, but to mega corporation mentality. Why? Because the nation, this prosperous, rich, powerful nation, churches were growing up in that. The, the pastors and the potential, the, the, the future pastors were growing up in that culture. And so the church, by and large, when I say the church, I, I mean generally speaking. There, yeah. are, there are exceptions, of course. Uh, and there are thousands, praise God, there are thousands of pastors and great churches out there. But there are tens of thousands that, in my humble opinion, aren't so great because they've swallowed the culture. They wanted to be like the culture. They've turned church into careers. So some pastors, and I'm not judging anybody. I'm not God. It's a a great observation. I've been doing this for a long time. I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I know what I'm talking about. I know hundreds of pastors personally. Some pastors are not God called. They're somebody else called. Mama called, daddy called, institution called. Some are career called. Some denominations are set up where they, you can, once you're in, you're in. It's like a little career and you get all the benefits and people aim towards that. Some people think it's an easy life. Those of us that are in true, real ministry, the hard work of ministry, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. Look, I was a cop for 10 years. I've been in, I don't get too deep in this. I'm a decorated law enforcement officer and I've been in several gun fights and I have been shot at. I've shot back. I've been on and on I could go, but it sounds like I'm talking about myself here, but I'm just saying I know what I'm talking about. When we move into the church realm, there are people looking for careers. I'm just going to say it. And so you have that in the church world. It's not in every church, but it's in enough that it corrupts it. Then you get competition between churches and denominations. What? That's an American thing. Football, basketball, everything is competition. Yeah. You know, even, you know, military, we're the strongest economy. We're the richest, you know. So the churches have kind of gravitated towards that. That's a part of living in a sinful world, not keeping your eyes on Jesus, not following the calling, not checking your heart often. And it's just, I'm not saying I've done it perfectly or that you have, but the reason we're now at this stage in our life sitting here talking about these things is because we have tried to check our heart. We are sure that our calling is from the Lord and not from a desire to have a career or from somebody that said, you'd be a good preacher, you should do that. People do that, I'm telling you. I know I could call names and I won't, but I know people. (laughs) Maybe we should. I know people who have come to me for counseling and have been Admitted that to oh, me, and they're man. miserable in the ministry. So now, here's the big thing, though, and I have got a few I more said minutes. Right, so. But this is huge. This is huge. So, in the midst of all of that, I'm trying to explain to our audience very yeah. quickly, and I'm simplifying it. I know it's more complex than this, but in the midst of this shifting sand, and we've been through all of this stuff, you know, wars and Vietnam, yeah. and you know, and, and 9/11, and, and but watch. The biggest thing that has impacted the church positively and horribly negatively is the explosion in technological advances 
of instantaneous communication information systems and 24-hour news cycles, and then those we're watching being hijacked by fo philosophical yeah. terrorists, is what I call them, and it becomes this one message that's, wow. that's, that's spoken, and most of it is godless, most of it is anti-church, most of it is anti-Christian, yet it was the Word of God only, no other religious book in the world, that foretold that all of that was going to happen before the return of the Lord. All of it. That's why I say we're living in the most prophetic time since the first coming of hope. Jesus Christ. Oh, there's a lot of hope. Listen, we, we we're just telling people the hope is be real. That, Make sure ooh. you belong to Jesus Christ and that your pastor's real and that you're real. And, and it, it, that's the whole thing. Because this is a war. Paul said that. This is Ephesians 6. Yeah. This is the day of evil that's coming. He said, you better be suited up. It's, our battle's not against flesh and blood. Oh, man. Listen, you're, you're watching, you're listening to Pastor Carl Gallops. He's a pastor in Florida. He's an author, best-selling author, I might add. It will. <laughs> I, a lot of that's because of this. A lot of people want to hear. And and, yeah, yeah, but they want to hear what you got to yeah. say because you're very rare. You're a rare pastor. You deal with the culture. You deal with, you know, well, topics. I worked that, in it and lived in it. But yeah, but you deal with topics that most preachers are afraid to talk about. And, and you're, you don't shy away from a lot of my questions that I have. By the but... time you've been shot at a few times, brother, <laughs> it, and you know you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Listen, when you've been through it's some a, stuff. It's not that I'm Billy Bad Boy or no, nothing. I'm not. But, 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 you know, it's experience. You came out of a life culture, and I did, where yeah. you had to learn to either tough up, buck up, do what you think is going to This prove. is not for the faint of heart. No, it's not. Oh. Ministry, the real work of ministry has to be a calling from God. Otherwise, it'll eat you alive. Yeah. And you said something on the Jim Baker show yesterday that we probably don't got time to talk about today, but it's it's all about people. Yeah. L loving people. That's right. don't, don't forget about the people. That's right. Listen, we have politicized abortion. We have politicized gender. We have politicized the Bible. We're politicizing everything, everything. that we can yes. think of. Yet we're forgetting the most important dom uh, the common denominator, which is you. People. The people. The woman caught in adultery slung at Jesus' feet. The, under the law, those Pharisees were right, but they were using it to try to trick Jesus. Let's say Jesus represents the church in this. They're trying to trick the church under the law oh, of the man. culture. And either way, Jesus answered was wrong. And finally, he writes in the sand. And we showed you where that I came from, powerful. the Old Testament. We know what he wrote. The Old Testament tells us. We'll save that for another show, unless you want me to tell No, it. I okay. only got two minutes okay. left. All right. So, so, so he wrote in the sand. The Old Testament tells us what he wrote. Okay. Jeremiah 17, verse 13. Go read it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and he did it. And why he did it, because this is God in the flesh. And then they started going away. And there's a reason why. When you read Jeremiah 17, you'll know. Then... He turns to the woman, and, and the implication of the whole thing is she had thrown herself at Jesus' feet. She had repented. She was remorseful. And Jesus said, your attackers are gone. They don't condemn you. She said, that's right. She says, neither do I. Let's pretend like he's the church now. Neither do I. But go and sin no more. There's the balance. There's that's the it. balance. It's all about people. We don't take this side and say, anything goes in our church. You can be anything. Live any way you want. No, no. And you don't say, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. Get out of my presence. Oh, no, you got to come to the middle. The woman, the woman caught in adultery. Because look, look at the life you came from. Look at yeah. the life I came from. I am not worthy to stand in that pulpit. Who am I to say, yeah. thus saith the Lord? 
other than the anointing and the blood of Jesus over me and the fact that I have a real calling. That's the same thing with you. And, and listen, and the same thing with you. You without sin cast the first stone the Bible talks about. Oh, the Bible, the Bible. Yes, the Bible. The it's Bible is the, good the foundation. news. It's the rock. It's the foundation is the rock, is the lily in the valley, is the bright and morning star. And listen, don't lose hope in Christ. Thank don't you. lose hope in God. Don't, you may have lost hope in institutionalized religion and all on and on and on. But one thing I, I don't want you to lose hope on is Jesus. He's the key. He's the answer. He's the reason why I'm still here. He's the reason why Pastor Carl Gallup's, after 30-some years, is still pastoring a church. It's the reason why you shouldn't lose hope today. Amen. Listen, if you don't know God today, if you don't know Christ, accept him in your heart. Amen. Read the word of God. Repent of your sins. Turn from your wicked ways. Give God a chance. Let him reveal himself to you. Yes. You will find out that the hope and yes. the truth is in him and yes. nothing but him. I got to go. Part two next week. We got a lot more to talk about. I may ask him about CERN. You ever heard about CERN? Look forward to Stay it. tuned. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Yes.